Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. On the show today, we have Jane Duncan Rogers. Jane is founder of Before I Go Solutions, a not-for-profit organization dedicated to helping people to prepare well for the best ending of their life possible by completing their end-of-life plans. Having been in the field of psychotherapy and personal growth for more than 25 years, she is the author of Gifted by Grief, A True Story of Cancer, Loss, and Rebirth, and her latest book, Before I Go, The Essential Guide to Creating a Good End-of-Life Plan. She has given a well-received TEDx talk on how to do a good death and also trains others through the Before I Go Academy to bring end-of-life planning to their local communities. Her website is beforeigosolutions.com. Jane Duncan Rogers, a warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. And it's exciting for me. I think maybe 10 years ago, it wouldn't be so much. But as my listeners know, or our listeners know, over the past 300 and some episodes, there's been great information about the afterlife. And now we're moving into really living life powerfully. And part of that is preparing for when we you know, check out of this room we call our body for the last time. So I think it's really great to have you here. Fantastic. Well, I'm delighted. I'm looking forward to this next hour. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm interested to hear how it all came about, because obviously you probably didn't start off life thinking that this is your mission to have a book like this. So if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about your story and even your, yeah, your life, your husband, first book and how you got to be where you are today. Okay. Well, I was uh, 53, I think, when out of the blue, my husband got uh, diagnosed with uh, stomach cancer. There was no uh, reason for us to suspect that that might happen. Um, So it was like it just sort of, you know, literally did come out of the blue. And um, that was the beginning of a whole lot of changes. Um, He, uh, you know, sometimes you hear about people having... um, talking about the last year with someone as being the best that they had well of course there's truth in that because like you said when you're talking about death actually it focuses you to focus on life and that of course is what we did in that what turned out to be the last year um because he died about a, a year later um and I always knew that I would write about it because at the time I was a coach and I had a regular blog and I love writing. So I knew that I would need to write about this momentous thing that had happened. Um, In fact, it was him dying was one of my greatest fears. We had not had children and the thought of him dying and me still being around for quite a long time would be was really scary. I thought I would be all alone in the world. Anyway, um, it did happen, and um, I wrote, I published Gifted by Grief. I started writing it about two years after he died, and then I, and that in itself was quite interesting because I just, I knew that I had to wait until I knew, if you like, that I had to write about it. So I knew that I knew I was going to write about it in theory, but in practice, Literally, I woke one morning and I just knew I had to start writing, and that's what happened. 
And the following year, it was published, Gifted by Grief. And that covers our last year together and the first year of my grief and then what happened as a result of that. And um, I thought that readers would love, you know, the spiritual learnings and all this kind of stuff in the book. But actually, what they really liked and asked about was the chapter where I had written about the questions that I'd asked my husband before he died. Now, the thing is, when you're with someone who's dying, you don't know when they're actually going to die. So I'm saying this happened about four months before he died. But of course, at the time, we didn't know that. Um, And we had received an email from a friend saying, you must get Philip to answer all these questions. And there was quite a lot of them. And they were all practical, like, what kind of coffin do you want? How do you want your body to be dressed? Uh, What are your passwords? That kind of stuff. Really practical. And uh, neither of us wanted to do it. And it took three emails from her before actually I got my act together. And together we sat down and we did uh, address these questions. And simply I asked him the questions and he gave me the answers and I typed them in. And um, they were really helpful after he had died. Really helpful to me. And when I wrote about this in Gifted by Grief, lots of other people identified with that and, and, and said to me, I need to answer these questions too. Mm-hmm. And really, that was the beginning in a way. I didn't know then it was the beginning of what has now happened. But, you know, I'd had a background in um, running workshops and leading personal growth work. So I knew what to do in terms of setting up a workshop, which is what I did. Um, I researched a little bit more on the questions and produced uh, just a, a, you know, a few pages of A4 stapled together. Um, as as a workbook we called it the good death guide I think that's how I learned that using that word wasn't quite ideal um, people didn't like it at least not in the north of Scotland I know <laughs> and um, but we did do we did do a workshop which sold out and then and there was a waiting list as well so I knew that there was something important here and at this stage I felt like life was showing me the way and I just had to follow and that's really that was uh yeah, that's four years ago now. Quite a lot of different things have happened since then, but that was the beginning of it all. Well, and what a gift yeah. it is because, you know, I've ta- I talked to a heart surgeon and he said just before somebody goes under the anesthesia, they're looking back on their life and all the things they mm-hmm. did or didn't do or should have done. And there's all that unfinished business that normally comes yeah. up. And what would it be yeah. like to live life with all those questions answered that are on your quiz and, and have all those things done? Yeah, that's right. It's like, you know, this is one of the subjects that people don't want to look at, which is understandable. I didn't either. But once you do, first of all, admit that, yes, I agree, for example, I completely agree with you that we don't die. And yet we also have a body that does get uninhabited and then there are remains that have to be taken care of um and that's just at the physical level you know that there's there's um when i say the remains those are the remains of the body but there's the remains of a life that has been lived on earth and that can be quite a complex bundle of stuff if for your relatives or your friends to take care of if you haven't taken action right now 
That's usually what I tell people. And everybody goes, nods their head and says, yes, that's a really good idea. Must do something about it. And then they don't do anything about it. (laughs) And so that's really why the work that I do now is helping people to actually take action now before it's too late. Yeah, I think it's really great. I mean, I, I know from grief, regardless of what we believe in the afterlife, it's devastating to us. We go on an emotional roller coaster. It's to me the worst pain I've ever felt. And yeah, on top of that, and I'm just thinking of my dad, for instance, the, the things left undone, the uh, I mean, I I was co-executor of his will, and there was such turmoil between my siblings and I that I actually backed out of it. I didn't even feel like I had the mental capacity to handle it being under such a state. And with what, where I'm at now, and just this morning when I woke up and I thought I got to interview you, how exciting, mm-hmm. it, the old Sander would have been like, I don't want to deal with this because it's acknowledging that our end is coming. And that's probably why so many people think, oh, it's such a great idea to do this, Jane, and then they never do it. But now (laughs) I I really do have this image of checking out of a hotel. My mom and I travel quite a bit for our catering business. And every Mm -hmm. time we leave, I check the closet, I check under the bed, (laughs) I I check, you know, the bathroom, make sure... (laughs) I've got everything handled so I can move forward in the next journey. And if mm. we could look at end of our life here, as simple as, I mean, there might be more things to do. That's <laughs> just a short stay in a hotel. But what do we yeah. need to do so that we're free? Because nothing's worse than saying, oh, did I leave this? Did I leave this? Did I leave this? But once I really check, I know my mind is free. So. I believe, even though I haven't done this yet, but I will now that I'm talking to you, uh, take care of those <laughs> things. There, I, I would think there'd be more freedom in life that we've handled yeah. all of these particles. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There is. And um, it, because it's like, you know, when you know that something needs doing, even if it's a low level you know, low level in the background, it saps energy from you. You don't realize that until you've taken care of whatever it is. And then then you don't have to think about it anymore because it's done. It doesn't come up as a nagging thought or um, or even some guilt that you're not doing anything about it. So therefore, you have more space to be able to devote to being here right now. And, you know, that's really important because if you know one thing, it, you know, especially if you have um, suffered the loss of someone dear to you, then you realize just how important the simple matter of life is. You know, when we're alive, we really want to be fully alive and not thinking about the past or worrying about the future or wondering if we should have done that or we should have done this. A bit like your hotel analogy. I love that, by the way. (laughs) Um, And it's absolutely right. It's like, you know, we just once we've taken care of these things and in, in what I'm calling a good end of life plan, then actually we are free to more fully live. Yeah. That's wonderful. Should we go through your quiz? I don't know where we should start here. Well, you know, your quiz is pretty great. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. The quiz is um, 
I it's just a few of the questions from what has now become what I call the before I go workbook, which had its origination in those questions that I asked my husband. But when I realized, you know, that they that um, that people wanted this, I thought, well, I need to do a little bit more research about this. And so there's been several iterations over the years. And uh, and the quiz now is uh, taking a few questions from the existing um, uh, from the existing workbook. Uh, to give you an idea and it's really simple well you know you've done it it is a really simple quiz but what what was your score do you remember um (laughs) well I'm not proud I don't remember what what it was but there were only a couple of questions that I had handled okay right Mm -hmm. so that well that's very honest of you because I mean basically the questions are yes or no and and basically, you know, the one, the, the the more that you have no answers to, the more there are things that you need to be done. But um, yeah, for uh, so were there any in particular that you were interested in any of these questions? Well, it's interesting because I'm I'm looking on your website now to try to find the quiz because it's going to jot my memory mm. of there. There was one something about. Um, do you have anything you don't want anybody to know about or something like that? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's the last one. And it actually says, have you destroyed any private papers or documents that you'd rather were not seen by anyone else? Yeah, that's it. Well, you know, the other day I was giving a talk here locally and I said to them, now, does anybody have any secrets that they would rather somebody else in the family didn't know about? Mm-hmm. And the whole room burst into laughter. It was very funny. It was clear that, you know, that question is something that people don't usually think about. But the thing is, this is really important um, because, I mean, for example, I worked with a client a couple of years ago who was in the the end stages of cancer. She was still relatively okay, And she was she had got her workbook. She was on one of my first courses. She had actually done quite a lot, but she was on the course to find out what else there was to do. And there were two things, actually, that she discovered. She had forgotten to think about who might look after her pet. But the second one was that she hadn't considered her 20 years worth of journals. Now, in her journals, she had written her heart. You know, she poured out everything. And there was quite a lot, apparently, of um, things that would have been damaging to her family that Mm -hmm. were simply her way of getting uh, rid of the emotions at the time and uh, but being aware of this she decided right I need to get rid of this and so she had a big bonfire now that was another thing that helped her to feel free it was another way that she was taking care of the ending of her life in this body at this time so yeah it's uh it, that's quite that's a food for thought one that the journals are I actually know of a case of a woman who passed and the children went through her things. And of course, mom was this wholesome, beautiful woman. And she too had those journals that she was just getting her thoughts out. And, and there was some really negative stuff about her children. But I think it it really, it wasn't who she always was. It was just her being human, letting them out. But then, you know, for the kids, do you want, their memories of mom to be those journals or just the loving person that you were with all those years. So as a human being, I think we all have journals or maybe there's something and not a bad, bad thing. 
Well, the, the main thing about that question is that you make a conscious choice as a result of considering it. And most people don't even consider it because it doesn't come into their mind, you know. And, um, you know, it doesn't, there's no right or wrong answers to this. It's just what is feels right for the individual person. So for some people, it would be important that all that kind of stuff was kept. Right. Um, and maybe then they would talk about it beforehand to their children or to whoever it is that is relevant and say, you know, I'm leaving these because there's some wonderful stuff in there, but there's also some stuff that you just, you know, understand that this was just me releasing my emotions at the time. You don't need to take it seriously or something like that. Yeah, to have a conversation. And there's some obvious questions that are, do you have a will? Have you got a power yeah. of attorney? You want to yes. speak of the importance of those? I will. And um, they they are the ones that, I mean, you know, if people are anything like me, they think about the word will or lawyer and their heart sinks and they think about how much it's going to cost, you know. Right. And of course, that gets in the way. But the fact is, um, it is important to have a will because if you don't, even if you don't, even if you think you don't have very much, um, the whole process of dealing with the end of life becomes longer and drawn out simply because you don't have the documentation in place. So um, it's sometimes for some people, they can do a will themselves. I'm hesitant here because um, the difficulty with the legal stuff is that you don't know what you don't know. Right. Here, too, in the U.S. I think it's probably everywhere. Exactly. So on balance, it's better. I always advise people to see a lawyer. Um, often there are charities who will offer a free will making service and they ask you to consider making a donation to them. So that's one way around it if money is a problem. Um, and these days also there are some free will making sites that if you have fairly simple affairs, you can do that online and you can um, you can get a will that way and it doesn't have to cost anything. But it does depend on your individual circumstances. And if you have anything less than a very, very simple affairs, i.e. you don't own anything and there's only one person you're going to leave everything to, then it's definitely a good idea to get a lawyer. Um, the power of attorney, uh, that's another one that um, people are not too keen on, but a power of attorney is um, the, the person who would be responsible for your finances. That's your financial power of attorney if you are incapacitated in any way or for your health, a welfare power of attorney if you can't make decisions about your health. So the reason that this is is more important these days is because there's more of us who are living longer, but not necessarily in good health. So there's, and this affects our ability to be in charge of our own lives, let's say. So power of attorney really is a form of insurance, I think. You know, of, of course we hope that you're not going to be incapacitated before you die and they, you wouldn't ever have to use them, but we don't know. We just don't know. So it's better to have it in place than not, because it can be can cause quite a lot of problems um, if not in place. I'm being kind of general here because, you know, it, uh, I work in I based in Scotland, but I do work all over the world. So um, but there's different, slightly different laws in different states. So you need to check out 
where you're from, you need to check out what it is that applies in your area. Um, yeah. What is a living will? Yeah, living will. Lots of people recognize it as a living will, but more often these days it would be called an advanced healthcare directive or um, in England it's called an advanced decision or an advanced directive. That's what we call it here. It's basically a statement that you make um, which is dictates the treatment that you do not want to receive um, as you are approaching the end of your life. So I'm saying that it's the treatment you don't want to receive. Now, this is important because our medical profession are trained to keep us alive and to do whatever it is necessary to do that, which is fair enough. That's what they're trained to do. If you are in a situation where you would rather not be kept alive, where you would be being kept alive by artificial means, say, then some people feel strongly enough to want to have that written down um, made a legal document of and uh, communicated to the relevant people so that you are upping your chances of that your instructions being followed should you not be able to speak for yourself I hope I'm being clear enough here yes, Does that make yes. Sense? yeah it's a particularly difficult one to do this in fact I've just finished a module on it um, and it does take a bit of time because we have to imagine what we don't want to imagine which is that or we can't even imagine which is that we you know would be still alive but um, maybe incapacitated in some way, not able to speak or not able to move or to not be able to make our wishes known in some way. And that's not nice and nobody wants to do that, let's face it. You're but right. It, I was with my dad going through these questions. Um, mm -hmm. Well, all those kind of questions. And it was so hard to do. Yeah. And I can't help but think if we could try to pull ourselves out of the equation and just like we were doing it for a friend <laughs> yeah someone we care about but not as emotionally attached and I think yeah. so many of us have been in the the left behind group that someone we know is, is gone before us and we've had to deal with all these loose ends yeah and it's difficult especially like I said when we're in that state of grief it's absolutely the last thing you want to deal with and it can yeah. take a good many years I've found for that heavy fog of grief to be released and so to have things being taken care of already I can yeah, just imagine it, how good that would it, be it, you know with my husband some of what some of this we had taken care of but I didn't know anything of all this at the moment at mm. that time so I was just addressing these questions that my friend had sent me in the email and that didn't cover everything I discovered um, but last year, both my parents died and they had been great students of mine. You know, they thought the work that I was doing was great and they had done their end of life plans. They had got a workbook each and they'd completed it. We'd done it together. So we, me and my two brothers and sisters, we all knew what they wanted. And so when they died, which was uh, suddenly, we... Um, we didn't, we, well, of course, we were all grieving and it was a horrible, shocking time. But the thing that we didn't have to do was try and make decisions because all we had to do was go to their workbook where they had listed everything that they wanted. And that was really helpful, really helpful. Because 
when somebody dies, and you probably know this, um, you want to, part of the process, the ritual of saying goodbye to them is being, is knowing that you're, you're giving them what they said when they were alive and well, what they said they wanted. That's actually very soothing, very comforting. And if you can't do that, you've got the stress of wondering, you know, would this be what they want? And I know maybe to some people that doesn't sound much, but I tell you, when you're grieving, things are different. Things are very different. And first of all, I'm sorry for the loss of your parents. As much as I know we go on, it's really tough. So the fact that yeah. your husband and your mom and dad, my heart goes Thanks. out to you and your family. Thank you. Thank you. And the good news is because you've had the workbook created, you can see firsthand what a yeah. gift it is to have it yeah. complete. And I'm sure you have more wind beneath your wings to share this because you know of the difference. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, in almost immediately something happened that I was able to share and affect quite a lot of people. Um, and I know that I know because of the conversations we had with my mum and dad that um, they would have laughed at this probably. Um, my mum, in the year previous, my mum had met a funeral director and she had chosen a coffin that was cardboard but it was covered in um like wildflowers you know like a wildflower meadow yeah and my dad had been almost the opposite he just wanted a plain cardboard one <laughs> and uh, so so we knew that that's what they wanted and um as it turned out my dad had uh, my mom and dad they both died in the same week unexpectedly wow. and i know it was really shocking but and what happened was we had a joint funeral so we had both the coffins next to each other in the uh, crematorium and I took a photo because they looked so beautiful. Mm. And I put it on Facebook to let people see how beautiful they were, you know, that even in this awful situation, there could be some beauty. And so many people commented on the the particularly the coffin with the flowers on people didn't know that that's possible you know but it was like even just a couple of weeks or whatever it was after my mum had died she was already making a difference in the world simply by the fact that she had planned and chosen her coffin earlier on when she had been well I was very touched by that and such a simple thing and yeah I yeah uh, I applaud your mom for doing that even yeah. my dad like your dad my dad was just whatever is the cheapest he says <laughs> least expensive <laughs> nothing yeah. fancy yes exactly <laughs> i'd rather you kids have the money he said than give it to a funeral parlor <laughs> yeah well even knowing that piece of information you see is really helpful because mm -hmm. um you know we it, when it's like because we don't want to look at this subject People don't plan for it in advance. And so when somebody dies, we usually just do what we think we have to do, which is go to a funeral director and we'll pay whatever it is because that's what you do, you know. Right. But we don't ever do that in other situations. You know, if we were getting the plumber in, we would be getting three quotes or whatever it was, mm -hmm. you know, we'd be shopping around a bit. Now, if you're willing to plan, you can shop around. You can actually go and visit a funeral director. You can decide if you want one or not. You don't have to have one. You can go to the 
local crematorium or the local burial ground and have a look and see, is this somewhere that would feel right for you? But in order to do all of that, you have to be willing to face up to the fact that it's going to happen. <laughs> yes, yes. And I know we're having this interview today. I, I don't have a fear of death, which is nice. I don't, mm. well, I, this is quite a few years now that I'm able to say this mm -hmm. uh, because it's taken now 300 and some interviews with people and all the investigations that I have absolute sure knowledge beyond belief that we go on. But getting there, I'm not really interested in if there's any mm -hmm. pain or suffering or any of that involved. So I, I don't think about it, but I can imagine your mom, your dad being there at the funeral, seeing the colorful and plain <laughs> cardboard. Yeah. And I think to embrace this from the belief that we go on as opposed to the fear of the unknown it, well, it helps me right now have this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually, in my latest book, there's a chapter about that. Um, I think I called it What is a Body? Because it's much, much easier to face up to this practical stuff if you know or if you're willing to believe that actually there is much more to you than just a body and and that who we are really inhabits this body. Mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. the body that dies, but not us. Exactly. It's so much easier to do it. Now, I know not everybody believes that, but hopefully, you know, people listening to this will be uh, at least interested in that idea if they don't already believe it. Yeah, I think it, a good number. Maybe some of the newcomers may not and be interested in what's this show all about. But there's, <laughs> boy, throughout the last four years, I have combed the earth for, I think, the best of the best evidence of the afterlife and help through grief. Mm -hmm. And I'm every bit as much of a listener as anyone who's listening. So I know the difference I've had over the last four years, and I can't help but think others that have listened to quite a few episodes really realize that we don't die. Mm. Our life is for a reason. Mm. And so I think today really is the perfect time to have this conversation, because it is as if we are checking out of one place or leaving a home and Doing another, you want to make sure everything's sorted, everything's taken care of for the new owners, you know, whatever. Yeah. That, that sort yeah. of thing. But it is difficult because I can't, I, I'm sure you're the same way. If you feel a little grief, all the grief you've ever had is ignited. And mm -hmm. so even, um, it was my anniversary of my dad's death just a few days ago. And even though I'm at such a good place that I know he lives on, I couldn't help but replay those last moments with him and the family yeah. feuds and all that, you know, and it's like, nope, stop. Nope. I'm not going to yeah. think that. So it takes yeah. something. It does. It does. Yeah. It takes uh, a, a, a clarity of where you want to be directing your thoughts. And that actually applies, I think, to when, if there is any fear around maybe not death itself or what comes after, but what, might happen in the run-up, let's say, mm -hmm. because we're out of control then. And, you know, when you're healthy, it's hard to imagine that you might not, that one day you might not actually be in control of your own body. Um, it is hard to imagine that. So I always say to people, when you're contemplating this kind of thing, and especially the advanced directive and what you might like in your last days, which is another section in the workbook, um, 
it's a really good idea to, instead of trying to put yourself into the future and imagining it, just using the sentence, which is, if this had happened to me yesterday, what would I want? Oh, very good. Yeah. So you just turn it around. If this had happened to me yesterday, or if I had died yesterday, what would I want to be happening? Mm -hmm. It makes it a little bit easier. Because it's... No, I'm just thinking you have the workbook and you have the book. Yeah. I'm assuming the book talks about it all and the workbook is actually an in-action fill-in-the-blank. Exactly. Exactly. And both of them, uh, if you did everything that I said in the actual book itself, the the guide, then if you did all those exercises and answered all the questions there, you'd have a pretty good end-of-life plan. If you want to be absolutely sure that you're covering all the questions, then the workbook is the one where all the questions are. But there's no discussion in that. That's why I wrote the book in the end, because um, that's where I'm discussing the thinking that needs to go on behind the scenes in order to be able to answer the questions, at least for some people. No, it sounds great. Beforeigosolutions.com is your website. So just a few other things on these this quiz that we don't think about. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things you say is, how do you want your body to be dealt with? Well, it dawned on me that I created this will, but, you know, what, what happens? You know, yeah. I said I'm okay with cremation, but that's as far as the directive I gave. Okay, so here's a little tip. It's um, a good... Yeah, (laughs) it's a good idea to even if you say in your will that you want to be cremated or buried or whatever it is that Mm -hmm. you want to have done, it's a really good idea to have that information accessible and known by other people as well, as well as your executor. Because if that will, for whatever reason, can't easily be found, then nobody's going to know what needs to happen with the body. Right. So this happened to a friend of mine, actually. Um, we, she, was, she was ill, but she wasn't expected to die. That happened unexpectedly. She was found one morning. She'd obviously fallen in the night, and she was no longer alive. And because she lived on her own, the, um, the police got involved, and they locked the flat. Now, she had done her preparations. She did have an executor. She did have a will, but... Because we couldn't get into the flat, nobody knew what needed to happen about anything. Because her documentation was in was in there, nobody else had a copy of it. So it's really important. That's why conversations is really important. That's one of the components of a good end of life plan is to talk about it. Talk before you've made your decisions. Talk after you've made your decisions. The other part that is essential is get your decisions written down um, because it's amazing how many people remember a conversation in a different way. Oh, oh. isn't it though? <laughs> yes. So that's why I say it needs to be written down. Whatever it is that you come up with, it needs to be written down. Yeah. Yeah. Our minds can't be trusted. And then I did some research about our brain strength when we're grieving and our memory is really shot. I found my cell phone in my refrigerator. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. When did that happen? Yeah, exactly. But people it, can it, relate. It, it, it happens. So write them down. And there's some things as simple that we don't think of as things like bank account, passwords, mm-hmm. and even our, like you call it, our online presence, our Facebook, Twitter. Yeah. 
It is. I mean, these are really simple things. I mean, for example, um, with your digital presence, unless that's organized before you go, then it, you are still going to be alive digitally, so to speak. Now, that that isn't necessarily a bad thing. But what I'm wanting to give people is a choice. So you have to think about it beforehand. Like what is it you, you would want? You know, well, then it becomes, well, I'm not going to be here. So what would the family want or what would the friends want? You know, and that's where the discussion comes in. But it does have to be taken care of because otherwise afterwards it's really difficult to get those accounts closed down if you haven't taken care of it with a named person beforehand. And that's all that needs to happen. Yeah, even thinking of myself, I've got hundreds of hours of these interviews all housed in a Mm -hmm. website company that I pay a monthly fee for. So something happens to Sandra. Yeah. Guess what? If nobody's left to keep putting the $22 in a month in that account, they just disappear. And that, you know, and that brings up for any uh, listener that has a small business or is a solo Mm -hmm. professional or anything like that, you have like a show like this. These are other things that you need to be thinking about as well from the uh, uh, in terms of what directions do you want to give to either your executor or whoever it is that you designate to look after this? What do you want to have happen? You know, do you is your business at a stage where it could live on without you or is it does it mean that if you die then the business dies as well there's there are some things that need to be thought of um i call that a business continuity plan which the business con- continuity plan might be that you decide that it's all going to be it's all going to come to an end that's fine but for example in your case with videos and everything um, or, or recordings that's that's something to be thought about, about actually who would manage it? Do you want them still to be available? How would they be made available? How would people know in the future uh, that they are there? Quite a few questions there. Yeah, even for any business. My mom and I have a day job. We run a catering business. And mm-hmm. the two of us are that business. And there's things I do, there's things she do does. And we just spoke a few days ago that if one of the two of us dropped off the planet could the other one fill in the gap and know the other one's role and the answer is no it would it would really take something yeah and that highlights the need for um systems and or, or at the very least notes about what an individual does in their role so that somebody else could pick that up if necessary but I'm afraid to say it's one of those things that, you know, it's a really good idea, but we don't always get around to doing. Mm. But you've got the workbook now, and I think we have a Facebook listener group. We don't yeah. die listeners, and we can support each other and anyone else who wants to be part of this and in, in doing these kind of things. Because, yes, it's important to those that live on after us. But what I'm really getting, Jane, is how important it is for us and our quality of life now. I know what it's like to live life with a to-do list that's a mile long right now. There's no joy. There's no freedom. There's all the, I should be doing this. It's like Mm -hmm. a ball and chain. And once I start crossing off those things, there's a sense of freedom. And if we can cross off the list, the ultimate <laughs> thing on our to-do list, 
yeah. and think of the freedom to live life. Yeah, yeah, it, it does work like that. And um, of course, you know, once you get some freedom, then you usually fill it up again, but then that's another issue. <laughs> but at least this end of things is taken care of. And, you know, it is a very selfless act. Let's be really clear about this because you're not going to be around right, to appreciate right. how grateful your friends and family will be. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be able to experience that from the other side, so to speak, but in this body, here and now, you're not going to be. And that's why so many people say, why would, why would I do any of this? I'm going to be dead. I won't be here. It doesn't matter. I don't care. You know, that's quite a common reaction. Until people really start to think about the effect of that um, mess and muddle left behind, like when you check out of the hotel, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. things haven't been left tidy, then there is a mess for other people to sort through. And and because people are grieving, that's made doubly difficult, even trebly difficult. And I really do believe one thing in common by everybody who's listening right now is we've experienced that grief and we mm. know that pain. Mm-hmm. And then talk about the unfinished business as well. But I also know that one of the characteristics, I think, of being human is we love to be generous and who doesn't like to give a gift at the holidays, right? It, yeah. You know, it feels better to give than receive. And if we yeah. can look at doing our before I go, completing our before I go plan as mm-hmm. a gift we're giving someone, yeah, it might be the way to get it done as opposed yeah. to, oh, I've got to get this done. No, it's a gift. You know, think about your children or your grandchildren or whoever. It's going to be the executor, whatever. I mean, they're going to be missing you. There's going to be all that grief. But to give them the ultimate gift of saying, oh, they had everything handled. That was easy. Yeah. Yeah, Well, one of the little phrases that I have is to say that a good end of life plan is a great going away present. And um, it is. It's true. Um, And there is another aspect, actually, about a good end of life plan, which isn't on the on the quiz. It's about creating your living legacy, what I call your living legacy. Um, now that's how you want to be remembered, and I call it a living legacy because it's it, it's never just it's never your legacy until you've died. So while you're still alive and you're creating it, whatever it is, then that's why it's still living. But this is something like that you have a choice over. It can you could uh, traditionally that might be. Um, in your case, for example, all your recordings are absolutely a living legacy. In my case, my books. But for many people, it might be simpler things like what their favorite recipe was or um, what what was the perfume that they always wore. Because it's these sorts of things that the people afterwards will choose to really evoke your presence or evoke a memory and that can be incredibly valuable. And that doesn't even begin to mention some of the adventures and learnings that you've had throughout your life. That can be really valuable for people. And we don't always know that when we're alive. But I'm on a mission to encourage people <laughs> to do their living legacies because those afterwards are so grateful usually. That's very nice. I I don't have but a couple recordings of my dad's voice. And even speaking with my mom not too long ago, she started telling me stories that I've never heard before. Mm -hmm. And I thought, 
those stories, I mean, I don't have a great memory, so I can't even think of them right this moment. But mm. just to have some of those things maybe recorded. And one of the tricks that I use, having nothing to do with the conversation we're having right now, but it's, <laughs> but if somebody's in a bad mood, Jane, I will yeah. strategically ask them questions about, oh, you know, what was it like when your child was born? Or do you remember the day you got married? Or, you know, yeah. what was it like taking a holiday to Hawaii? You know, things that cause people to feel good emotions and it makes people happy. So yeah. I just thinking, you know, maybe we could maybe record conversations of some sort that are, are these kind of questions, people's happiest yeah. thoughts, happiest memories, not Jane, you're going to die someday. So I want to record your voice and uh, <laughs> what words of you know inspiration do you want to leave everybody after you're gone? No, not like that, but just some of these great shared memories, shared stories, funniest memories, happiest jokes, yeah. things like that. Because after the fact, yeah, I would, I would love to replay some of that with my dad and Although I mm -hmm. don't have children, I do mm -hmm. still have some close relatives that may want to hear some of those things for me. Yes, exactly. And and actually, you know, I mean, I don't have children either. And when um, people don't have children, it's easy, really easy to imagine that actually nobody really is going to be that interested in that level of detail in our lives. But when you don't have children, then other relatives but also friends become mm -hmm. incredibly important because that's like that's like your family and and we must underestimate how much people like to know about the person we we usually discover this at the funeral when there's a eulogy of some kind it's a little bit late then i always think um but and people love that and it's not unusual for people to say gosh, I didn't know that about such and such. And then they're wishing that they didn't know a bit more, you know, and they can't. Unless the person has created their living leg legacy in one way or another. So, for example, my dad, you know, like two or three years ago, I he needed a project. I could tell he needed a project, you know, to bit of interest in his life. And I really encouraged him to write his memoirs. And it's, I found them just the other day. It was about 20 typewritten pages with um, notes from my mum written all over them. <laughs> um, and full of some stories we knew in the family, but full of other bits that we didn't know. And I'm so glad that he did that now, you know, yes, really yes. glad. Makes a huge difference. Yeah, it brings a smile to my face. At my dad's funeral, many people came up to me and said these kind of random acts of kindness that my father had done for them. Oh, I never told anybody. I no. Thought, oh, isn't that lovely? Mm -hmm. <laughs> hmm. This is a great conversation. Where do we go next? Um, I'm just looking to see. Well, okay. So let me say what the eight components of a good end okay. of life plan are, because I organize them into eight components to try and make it a bit simpler to think about, because obviously there's the legals and we've talked about those. There's the last days and we talked about that as well. Um, there is the funeral, which most people are, um, it would when people think about death they usually think about wills and funerals that's what they know about yes with funerals with funerals it's usually fu a funeral plan or a funeral insurance that they know about um 
but you might not know that actually you don't have to have a funeral. You don't need to have a funeral. Really? But if you, yeah, yeah, you don't need to have a funeral. What you do need to do mm-hmm. is the body needs to be disposed of legally according to the law in your country or wherever it is, okay? But the funeral itself... Um, um, what we've um, un- what we understand now by a funeral is that it's a disposal of the body as well as the ritual of saying goodbye to someone. Mm-hmm. But these days, it's becoming more common to separate out those two events. Doesn't work for everybody, but it's definitely a choice that the disposal of the body can be taken care of separately, and then there's maybe an end of life celebration or something. The ritual of saying goodbye without a body there. Now, that means that there are other things that you have to think of. So this is a, an option that you have to think about in advance and say what you want, because otherwise you'll you'll get what is what people usually do, which is what they know, which is ring up the nearest funeral director and get them to take care of everything, which is fine. <clears throat> but if you want to have some choice in the matter, then you need to be thinking about it now. So that's another area. Um the fourth one is the living legacy, which we've talked about. The fifth one, the digital life. We've, we've also talked a little bit about that. There is the the household. Now, the household covers things like how much stuff have you got in your house that might need to be sorted through. Usually this provokes quite a few laughs as well because yes. people have a lot of stuff. <laughs> And, you know, once you're no longer there, somebody's going to have to go through it or it will just all get taken away by a house clearance person. If you don't want that to happen, then you need to take care of some things. That's from the decluttering point of view. Mm-hmm. But there are other things as well, which, um, for example, um, maybe 10 days or something after my husband died, I was on my own in the house for the first time and a friend had been visiting and I had just brought her back from the airport taken her to the airport actually and I was coming back I was coming back to the house on my own I sat down to switch on the television it came on but not at the screen that I was familiar with so clearly she had been doing something with it and could I get it to the screen that showed the guide with all the different programs I couldn't do it and I was beside myself with grief I was just in floods of tears because that's the sort of thing that Philip would have done. Right. In our house, you know, he was the one who was the techie one. He knew about all that sort of stuff, and I didn't have a clue, and I couldn't even, in my muddled thinking state, get it to where I wanted it to be. Now, that could have been taken care of if we had had, if he had simply maybe written down a few steps to take. Because, you know, I looked at the manual, but you know what manuals are like these days? Yes, forget it. I know exactly. (laughs) So that's the kind of thing, detail that you don't necessarily think about that can be very, very useful, i.e. things like how does the household run? How do the machines run? What happens? It's not unusual, even in this day and age, for um, many men not to know about much about what goes on in the kitchen. I know that sounds a bit sexist, but let's maybe say partners, but often I found it's men because... We're dealing at this age, it's mostly older people who are dying, and that's how they've been brought up in that generation. So, yeah, that's the that's the sixth one. And then I've mentioned also the, uh, the last two of the components, and that is to share it with somebody else, to talk about it beforehand, and also to get it down in writing. 
really important, all those areas. And that's what I call a good end of life plan. Excellent. And I'm thinking in addition to, for those who are listening right now, we are people interested in the afterlife. And I know for me, just to answer my own question, um, I'm going on and I would love to contact my loved ones from beyond, whether it's a certain kind of a sign or I'm interested in electronic voice phenomena. So I'm going to try this or here is a secret code that go to a medium and this is what I'm going to try to say. We could lighten it up with from the, this is just speculation, Jane, but just this has been something that I've been interested in and your loved ones might not know that. And, you know, from where you're going to sit in the hereafter, you know, maybe it's what part you're going to play in their life. Sure. I'll be sure. with you when you quiet your mind. I'll be whispering in your ear, giving you love, cheering you on. Maybe something like that. That's lovely. I really like that. What a yeah. nice idea. Yeah. Because I think many of us in um, that listen to the show and interested in afterlife things, it's still not mainstream conversation and no. many of us have people in our life that one eyebrow goes up when we start talking about this afterlife thing or going to a conference or reading a book. Yeah. And to be able to be honest with our loved ones in whatever workbook that we have yeah. being left, here it is. This is my belief. I'm sticking yeah. around. I'll be there to cheer you on. I'm especially interested in this form of communication or this kind of sign and Keep your eyes out for a cardinal or butterfly or whatever. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yes, yes. And I'm a great I'm a great believer in signs and I definitely had my share of them after um after both my parents died and my husband as well. And uh somehow you just ha you just know, you know, you just know that that's them communicating. Can I ask a couple of the signs that you've gotten? Sure. Uh yeah. My um my my husband um it was about maybe three weeks after I, after he had died and i was out in the woods walking i was incredibly angry that this had happened at all i didn't know where he was and i really wanted to know where he was i couldn't bear that and so i was shouting out where are you where are you and then about half an hour later i was walking past a little copse of going through a field walking past the copse of trees and i felt a very strong pull to go in the middle of them now i've never had that before i've walked past this copse millions of times and in the middle i sat down on a broken log and i looked up and i saw um uh, uh, a dead tree with woodpecker holes in it now I burst into tears at that moment because I knew that the woodpecker holes were the sign because we had been camping in um, California in a camper van one night in a particular um, place where we were surrounded in uh, by pine trees that had woodpecker holes. We'd had a long conversation about it and we'd even, uh, I'd brought back some a little tiny bit of bark with a hole in it. So I knew that I had been guided there by him to, with him telling me that he was okay. That's you know? sweet. Yes. It's lovely, isn't it? So, um, and then there was another one with my mum. She loved hedgehogs and she knew there was a hedgehog in her garden 
but she hadn't seen it for ages, months. She'd seen it once. And um, I think it was maybe two or three days after she died, uh, I was out in the garden and I, in, in the middle of the day, and hedgehogs only come out at night, but in the middle of the day, I turned around and there was this hedgehog right in the middle of the lawn, just sitting there. <laughs> it wasn't curled up in a ball. It was just sitting there and I sort of crouched down and I looked at it and I thought, this is mum. <laughs> it was so sweet. And then it just sort of toddled off into the undergrowth. And But it was like, oh, my goodness, she really is there. You know, it was really lovely. That's really nice. Really nice. There's a my aunt's uh, friend's good friend's father had passed away not too long ago. And he was a big lover of cardinals. And there were mm-hmm. seven of them in the family left. And so they were all sitting in dad's favorite uh, room, which is a little screened in porch. And seven cardinals came, red cardinals, so they must have all been the males, into the tree right by the window. Oh, wow. When does that happen? Exactly. So our skeptical mind could say, coincidence, woodpeckers, hedgehogs. But let your heart decide, because these are signs. Well, you know... I said uh, after I said to um, my niece, my mum's um, granddaughter, she was age nine at the time. I said to her, I told her about the hedgehog and immediately she said, that was granny. <laughs> so it was like, yes, I didn't suggest that to her. She just knew it as well. It was lovely. <laughs> That's great. I, I see my dad's name a lot. Mm-hmm. His name is John, and I would just glance up, and it'll be some on someone's license plate or a sign mm-hmm. on a restaurant or something. Mm-hmm. And so maybe back in the end of life workbook, it's like I'm going to mm-hmm. put my name places. You know, be on the lookout. You know, because those kind of things would really give hope to the person that's left behind. Absolutely, absolutely, hope and and it's soothing and comforting, and all of that is really good. Yeah. And I can't tell you, Jane, how many people that I've interviewed that um, had near death experiences and things. And I have this vision of when we take our last breath, close our eyes here on earth, we open them in a place and it is like crossing the finish line. Our loved ones are there. Our pets are there. Everybody's young and healthy and Mm. cheering us on. So to leave a few words behind too in the workbook of uh, be watching over you. This is what your life is for. And I will be right there when you cross the finish line, be the first one to greet you or um, moments before you go, you know, I'll be there to take you to the next place, something like that. Cause those yeah. are things that can be held on to and really help someone in their time of grief. Beautiful. Yes. So now will I take my own advice? Let's see. Well, I'm committed to. Totally <laughs> <laughs> good. Jane, thank you so much for being our guest today. It's a pleasure. Really? I love talking about this. <laughs> oh, I love that you love it because it's kind of, I don't want to say a taboo subject, but it's hard for people to think about. And I, I can only pray that we've talked about the reality of the afterlife so much that this is the group that's going mm. to take the advice and go forward before I go solutions.com yeah. website names of your book before I go the essential guide to creating a good end of life plan. And I'm also inspired by gifted by grief, a true story of cancer loss and rebirth.
Yeah, there's probably a few more um, stories of signs and visions and things in that in that mm-hmm. one. <laughs> wow. Well, Jane, thanks again for being our guest. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank oh, you. I feel the same way. And for our listener, thank you for being our guest here today. I know it's not a typical interview about talking about, about evidence of the afterlife that way. But it's so important because there is such a big picture. And if you're like me, you like to travel, like to go to hotels. And this is just a good way to make sure you've checked the room before you check out. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Our website for the show is wedontdieradio.com. And you can find well over 300 episodes there. A few freebies, free gifts. Uh, I encourage you to join our Facebook group, We Don't Die Listeners. And that way we can work together at maybe completing these workbooks and having some freedom in our life right now. Yes, it's great to leave things for our loved ones and make things easier. But boy, talk about that freedom that of living life fully, because we don't have the ball and chain of the undone things around our ankle. I think that's really inspiring to, to think about. What else? I think that's it. My name is Sandra Champlain, and as always, I'm so happy to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on Earth is important. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.